know, summer's upon us, and uh, if you're new at Vintage, last year we did something different. In the summer, we said, hey, we, we want to focus on family, and so we shifted from two services to one service, and we're doing the same thing this year. And, uh, and so starting not this, obviously not next week, but the following week, June 4th, we're going to move to one service just for June and July, start back to two in August. But we're really excited about doing this for a couple of reasons. One, uh, it's really, really, really fun uh, to get everybody together. There, we had some weeks last year, man, it was super packed in here. Children's ministry was nutty and crazy with the number of kids. But there's something so energizing and life-giving to all of a sudden, like, meet the other half of your family you've never seen before who go to 9 o'clock service because you're still sleeping at 9 a.m., right? And uh, so it's really, really cool. We'd love to invite you to come start to do that. If you have friends who you're inviting, make sure 10 a.m. If you still want to come at 9 a.m., you can, like, right? Or if you want to come, like, really late at 11 and just get here for the sermon, that's fine, too, I guess, right? Uh, but 10 o'clock, and we'll start doing service starting in June. And I'm uh, really excited about that. You can look forward in your email, too, as a reminder, and it'll be great. All right. Uh, let's dive in this morning. Uh, so um, let's start in Ephesians. I'm going to just read one verse. I'm going to build off of it this morning. It's a, chapter 3, verse 20. It says, Now to him, this is speaking of Jesus, right? Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, According to his power that's work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Now, one of the things that I, I recognize about God is that God, he writes the best stories. Right? When you look at the, the story of humanity, it's really actually in theological, like seminary where they call it the meta narrative. It just means the big story, the, the story of God, the story of creation, the story of humanity. And God is all in the center of the story and he's writing this story. And so in the story of humanity, God creates a people. He loves them. He provides a way for a deep relationship with him. And then he provides a deep way for partnership. In ministry. So God provides a way for relationship for you with God, and then He provides a way of partnership of you coming alongside as co-laboring with God to do the works of God on the earth. Like, I don't know if you think about it, but when if, if I had to choose a partner to go into business with, God would be a great partner. Can I get an amen? Right. It's like it'd be really cool because he knows everything. He's great relating to people. If they're having a bad day, he can make it better. It's perfect work with clients. I mean, it's just amazing. So the idea is that we're then partnering. We're co-laboring, partnering with God in the story that he's writing of this meta narrative, big story from beginning all the way to the end. So God writes the best stories, and you understand this, how stories work in the context of stories. You have, like, primary character, and then, like, all these other characters who come into the story, right? And so the writer, the author, writes those people into the story. And so the cool thing is that God then takes this big story, and he writes all of us into his story. Like, isn't that cool? Like, there's this moment. He looks at humanity. He looks at you because you're a human being. He loves you. He says, I want to write them into the story. So he begins to woo you unto himself. And then there's that moment you give your life to Jesus, a moment of, we call it salvation. Jesus told Nicodemus, you're born again. You were born in flesh. And now you're born in the Spirit. It's a really cool dynamic, right? And all of a sudden, he writes you into the story. And you all love that because you love seeing your name written in a story, don't you? 
Like how many of you were, like your paper wasn't, how many of you had a, your, either your name or your picture in a newspaper growing up? You ever had that? And like, do you remember how every single one of your neighbors like sent you the newspaper? He said, oh my gosh, right? And you had like 15 newspapers at your house because there's something about your name being written into a story of any sort, right? I've always had the dream of like being the primary hero in a book or in a movie. I'm just saying, right? And like, I can like, I can like move things with my mind and I can like beat up bad guys and I'm super strong. Like I want to be the center of a, of a story. It's just really cool. You all do too. Don't lie. So in the moment, Right, God's the center person of the story, and then he writes us into his story. But here's the interesting thing I want to say this morning. God then wants to look at you individually, right, and he writes you in. But here's the bigger thing. I think it's more interesting than that, to be honest, although you're great, is that God then takes a people called the church, and he takes all the individuals, and he brings them together and says, now I have a story for you I'm going to write your story and write you into this story, your church as a people and how you transform the area in which you live. Like he takes all these individuals who seemingly don't fit and he makes us fit and then he has relationship with us and then he empowers us together as the body like many, many individuals, one body, many parts, one body, and we do this crazy work. It's actually, it's actually what you pick up from Ephesians 3.20. What you may not know is that leading up to this, leading up to this, like, yes, he can do immeasurably more, but Paul's worshiping God because he just told this amazing plot twist in the story of God. Like there's been this massive plot twist that, that the prophets saw coming that no one understood and it's happened. And Paul's like, I can't believe it. Like, you know, your favorite movies are the ones with great plot twists. Can I get an amen on that one? Like you love like, Oh my God, I never saw that coming. And you leave and you're Instagramming and you're Facebooking. Oh my God. Twittering. Like, Oh, I don't know, whatever. It's like, and so in the story of God, you have God and the Jewish people, the Hebrews, the Israelites, right? And they're God's chosen people. And then Jesus died. He was resurrected. And then he empowered Paul. He says, all right, I want you to go to the Gentiles. Peter, here's a dream I'm going to give you. No one's unclean. I want you to graft in your enemy into your body and be one with them. Ah, this is crazy talk. Are you kidding me? What a plot twist. People literally, Gentiles are simply non-Jews. They used to enslave the Jews. And then they would be at war with one another for like generation after generation. And like the Israelites would kill off whole people groups over here, right? What's going on, Jesus, right? With this, there's this whole thing going on. And then God says, all right, plot twist. You're now going to be family. In fact, you can't do life. Without one another. In fact, I actually designed you to choose to need one another so that you can actually fulfill the kingdom call that I have to save the world. And Paul goes, oh my gosh, to him who's able to do immeasurably more than I could ever imagine, because I could never could have imagined that. And according to the palace work with this, to, and all the stuff, right, man, oh, to him be glory, right? God writes the best stories. 
And he takes people who seemingly would never mesh and he causes them to mesh to fulfill the story that he's writing. And so what we look at vintage is that we are a small microcosm. We said before, like, we're the little C in the context of the big C church, right? And so vintage is just a microcosm, a little C in the middle of it. And, and do you realize you're here? Not, but listen, my reformed brothers and sisters will love this one. God, you didn't choose vintage. God chose you for vintage. You didn't come here because of your youth. You did not come here because of your kids. You did not come here because of my preaching. You didn't come here because of harvest even. So you think you did. No, you came because God drew you here because he knew that we needed each other. That's why we take it so seriously. He was like, we're going to leave vintage. Why? This is your people. This is your calling. This is your place. This is your church. You've been called here to do this for a purpose. You've been grafted into the vintage 242 story, and we need each other. And so this morning, like I want you to be very sober. Some of you are like, well, I just happened to be here because I just moved home and I'm here. No, God had you move home so you could be here for this season. God woos you. God, listen, nothing just happens, happenstance. You know God plans. He sees in advance. He's moving. He's like, you think that you're, oh, that's so sweet. You think that. No, I put you there. Right? You know what I'm saying. So we're here now. Here's the point. So God is writing a story that's called Vintage 242, and he's leading it, right? He's always the primary character of every story, and he loves to graft people into the story. And so he started writing eight and a half years ago the story. Ever how long? I always forget how old we are, right? But he grafts the story. He writes the story of Vintage 242 Church in our community. And he says, all right, the story I'm writing of Vintage 242 Church is that I'm calling you. This is what you're going to do in my story. I'm calling you. This is what you're doing in the story. In my story that I'm writing here, Vintage 242 Church is going to transform the community it lives in with the love of Jesus and through the power of his spirit. And so you've all been called and written into his story so that you can transform the community in which we live. He didn't bring you here primarily for you. He primarily brought you here for the calling of God, for the story he's writing. Remember Crystal said a couple of weeks ago, he God has given you a seed. You personally, you personally, a seed. You don't eat the seed. You plant the seed. You don't eat the seed. You plant the seed. Why do you plant it? Because God, what seed is that he's given you? The fullness of his spirit, the fullness of who he is, he's put in you. He now wants to give it to you so that you can give it away in the context of the primary calling you have as a body right here in the story he's writing at Vintage 242. We're like, okay, that's a pretty big deal. Very cool. I like that. Jesus, you can do immensely more than I can even dream or imagine. So have your way in me. Living sacrifice, Romans 12, 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is how you spiritually worship Jesus. 
So you're saying every day, Steve, I wake up and say my life is not my own. I'm a sacrifice to Jesus to do whatever he wants to do through me because he's given me a seed. And I happen to be in the context of Vintage 242 Church. So he's calling me every day to be living sacrifice to transform the community in which I live for the purpose of his kingdom so his great story can be fulfilled. Yes. And that's exactly what you were thinking. That's what it is. It's sobering. It's sobering. Wow, my life. Oh, so I'm not actually alone because he's given me his seed. So I'm not actually worthless and worth nothing because he's given me his spirit to go conquer nations. Wow, so I'm not a, I'm not a, I almost said freaking loser. I apologize, right? I didn't say it, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm a loser. No, we're not. Man, he's given us the spirit. He's given us his seed. We can change the world. And we start with the community in which we live. He's written us into the story. So he thinks our life has meaning. Ah! Like part of you, like you, like, mm, God, I can just go on and on. I can't. So, so in that, what I want to talk about this morning, and do not tune me out, I want to talk about foster care. Why? Because part of the story that God's writing at Vintage 242 Church is specifically. Pay attention. He's specifically writing a story of foster care in the midst of Vintage 242 Church. They are an unreached people group, right? Caring for the orphan and the widow is the greatest part of religion, according to James chapter 1. And so he said to us, I want the story I'm writing, one of the stories I'm writing at Vintage 242 Church is this call that I've given you to foster care, and I can do immeasurably more than you can ever dream or imagine in the context of that. So let's talk about that. There are 52 foster families. Don't tune me out. This is a good stuff right here. For those of you guys will love this part right here, right? So, so, if you're competitive. So in this, like there are 52 foster care families in Paulding County. Approved foster families. Nine of them are a part of Vintage 242 Church. 17, over 17% of all foster families in our entire county go to vintage. Listen, we're not the biggest church in Polding. We're not the biggest church on our street. And God said, God looked around and he said in the scripture, God's eyes roam to and fro throughout the earth to see those and find those he can strongly support, which means he can get behind and write them into a story so that he can change the world in which those people live so he can bring his kingdom. And in Paulding County, we said, God, we're here. Send us to change foster care in the county. Let it be us, Jesus. Oh, so 70%, so over 70%. Yes, he said, I'll strongly support you. We shouldn't be awesome at foster care. We shouldn't be visible. The juvenile judge should not look at my wife and say, who's changing and all the, basing all decisions for all, everything going on, and look at her and say, you're my only peer in the entire county, Randall. Will you help me? That's what she said. Sandra was wrong. I said, you're my only peer. I sit in meetings with the DFAX director who I love, Jim Provost. He's amazing, right? And Sandra Miller. And we sit there and we're like, what can we do? And they listen to Vintage 242. Isn't that crazy? Who's, he's doing immeasurably more than we could ever dream or imagine. We sit there and like, listen, Randall's great, but she's not that great. 
You sound you're like, that's so offensive. No, she's great because of Jesus inside of her. Why is, why is the judge drawn to her? Because Jesus lives in Randall and Randall wants her to know it. I want to be the answer. It's like Isaiah. Here's, I mean, you know, you know, Isaiah was not called. He just said yes. Isaiah 6. Who will go? And God's eyes are roaming. And Isaiah's going, me, 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 me. He didn't have, he didn't pray about it. He didn't get some call. He just said, you need somebody? I'll go. We've gone. And people have responded. I mean, think about it, guys. Our new, our new property, it's not in Paulding County. That was a tension for us because all, all these primary relationships we have are in Paulding. Scripture says, You've been faithful in little, therefore I will give you much. So it's no longer one county he's given his vision for. It's now three. Bartow, Paulding, and Cobb. Right? Like these are the bigger pictures we're looking at. Like, oh my gosh, God, you've given this, this property 40. Everyone realizes it. They're looking, what are we going to do with it? We're not going to build a shrine unto ourselves. We can use three hours a week and have great worship services, God. That's stupid. Let's build something the entire community can use. And all three counties look at it and go, this is a beacon of hope for our need. You know what my greatest tension is with churches here? Pet peeve, number one. When a church moves into a community and says, this is what we're going to do for you without actually asking what they need. So we sat before our county officials and said, what do you need? Well, we need someone to do foster care. We'll do it. We'll do it. Well, you're just the church of like 300 people. Yes. And we have Jesus. And he will move. So in this. Guys, you liked that, didn't you? That was pretty good. Like, those of you competitive, like, we're the best, right? I mean, literally, in this moment, I'd say this. I'd say this in utter and complete humility, but I'm pretty proud. God has given a unique but undeniably powerful platform for foster care in Paulding County. In many ways, God's using Vintage to lead the charge for foster care in the entire faith community. When we go, I mean... I'll just stop right there. It's pretty great what things that Jesus is doing. I'm, I'm, I sit back and go, Jesus, this is so humbling. I'm not trying to get emotional for emotional sake, right? I'm trying, like, I mean, literally, I'm like, God, who thought eight and a half years ago that we'd actually be making this big a difference in this dent in a crisis that's affecting the entire nation? And you know, you've written this into your story. God, we get to be a, I mean, I see my name written down. Our name's written down. This is so cool. Oh, God, we're making a difference. Jesus, thank you that you chose us, that you let us, you drew us together. So, one of the primary things, right? So, let me name the need right now. So, foster care. Here's number one conversation happening behind closed doors with defects. Uh, with this group of people called Foster Paulding, with um, the juvenile, with Sandra, is they're saying, hey, we recognize that our foster family, hear this, we recognize our foster families are really struggling. Like, it's, I don't know if you know, but it's really, really hard to foster. It's hard to bring someone else's children who are coming from explosive and traumatic backgrounds and try to graft them into the peacefulness of your family. That's hard. And it's like sometimes you feel like, you're like, it's like they come in like and a bomb's gone off. Literally, right? You're like, ah, Jesus, right? It makes you pray a lot harder and more. And so they come in, right? And so everyone in the county realizes, my gosh, foster parents, we need them, and they're dropping off like flies because they have no support. 
And so a few people said, well, hey, you know, there are a bunch of people who've been called the church who actually have a conviction of caring for those who are in need. Why don't we go to the churches to come and partner with state-run organizations to care for children? Because you know church and state always goes well together. There's always, the state always looks to the church to help. That's what's happening in Paulding County. God's like, watch what I'm about to do. I'm about to write them in. I'm about to write the church into the story with Paulding County defect, and it's going to be amazing. And so right now we're literally sitting in meetings with all these powers that be. You know what they're talking about? How do we get churches just to come alongside and be a support family for those who are doing foster care? They call it communities of care, right? A community of people who are caring for the needs of those who are doing fostering. Because fostering is harder. I'll just say this. Taking my own children and then bringing someone else's children from explosive backgrounds and parenting is harder than normal parenting. It just is. Now, that's not offensive to anybody, right? It shouldn't be. It's just, don't go, oh my gosh, what are you saying? Yours is harder? Yes, I'm saying ours is harder. <laughs> bringing foster children in, it's harder. It just is. Don't get offended. It just is. And so, we, so the county is recognizing we need help. And so we've literally started making phone calls to all the churches saying, hey, do you want to come alongside, take a DFAX family or a foster family and just come alongside them and, and love on them and help them and create communities of care? This morning, that's what we're going to talk about. It's the need of the hour. Vintage has said to them, this is what we said to them, I'm giving you a heads up of what I've committed you to. Sorry. I've said to the county, we'll be your model. We have 17 and over 17% of all the foster families in our county. If you want churches to know how to do it, just have them watch us because our people will love our foster families. We'll do it. We'll do it. We'll create communities of care. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, we love our family. We've all been brought together. God took you and Gentile. And whew, here we go. We're the body of Christ. He's grafted us in. We have to care for one another. We're all part of the same family. So that's what, I've, that's what I've committed you to, okay? I'm going to help you figure that out what that means in a second, so don't worry. Don't freak out. I have not committed you to foster children. I have not done that for you, okay? So what I'm going to do is we're going to take some time and talk about fostering and talk about uh, communities of care. I'm going to invite uh, my three to come up who are going to speak this morning. And, uh, and what I'm going to have you do is, as they're coming, we'll watch a video here in a second. It kind of gives a snapshot of what we're doing in foster care. Uh, but what I want you to hear this morning, I'm going to ask them some questions. These are three, uh, two families who are full-time fostering and one, you're going to hear this in a second, who are specifically doing community of care. Because I just want you to see what's happening and hear from them. I know you get tired of hearing from me sometimes. So I want you to hear from these lovely people. And uh, if you can get a microphone, Randall, you can hand the chance you please. All right. So let's watch this video real quick. I want you to see this a snapshot of what's happening at Vintage and the families that we've been caring for. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
So again, as we as we dive in this morning, we're asking questions. Though these are all the children that God said, mm, I trust vintage to care for them. That's what happened. He grafted them into our story, and uh, so it's exciting. So this is Chancy. Chancy and her husband Russell Foster have been for a while, and I've invited. So I want to get a perspective this morning from Chancy of. Um, Having been at a previous church, which was great, and, and they were praying and supporting and loving her, uh, but coming to Vintage and shift, shifting here, and there's a, uh, something shifted in her, even of support and community of care. So why don't you take a moment and just talk about this idea, this kind of shift for you, what the support has looked like, how that community of care comes alongside, and, and then just share something specific that you would just love for us all to know. Uh, from your perspective and the call of foster care and stuff that we're doing. Um, like um, Steve had said, we were part of a church for eight years that we really loved, but um, we had, um, in this process of fostering, uh, we had heard about Randall, through my sister, and um, a community of care that were um, coming along with the families. And we, we love our previous church, but we just really didn't, have that investment um, with our church. So I remember the first time I came in here, the first, we come through the doors and how everyone was so welcoming and so loving and um, how that really was profound to us and we felt at home here right away. Um, with I keep going back into my initial training to become a foster parent. They teach you about foster parents standing in the gap and claiming these children who are very susceptible to the evils of the world, if you think they're very easy prey, um, but claiming them for Christ's kingdom. And that's something as my husband and I, as their parents, is hard enough on our own. But the thing that I love about Vintage is that there's people who have invested their time and their love into our children to help us on this journey, um, and specifically... Jen Goodman and the Goodmans have been wonderful. Way to go, Jen. <laughs> and um, I'm sorry, the video gets me every time seeing my past babies. But we just, we're really blessed to be here, and we thank you for everything that you've done for us and making us feel at home. And the Davis family for letting me sleep because I haven't slept in forever. Because <laughs> I have two tiny babies that had um, a lot of trauma. So, um, but we just, we feel really blessed to be here. And I love the fact that so many people have just, have invested in my family and let us be a part of yours. And we thank you. So take a, tell like a specific one or two things that have happened for you where community of care in the moment was um, really for you, almost seemed like a lifesaver for you all. Um, it's, it's, well, when we, um, when we had our, back in November, when we got um, Jasper and Elena, that was the first time we'd ever had two children at once. We had previously just taken one placement at a time, and we have three biological daughters, so we had five children, very young children, and I was in chaos pretty much. And when the meal plans that came, um, they were amazing because there were times when, you know, you were lucky to have Cheerios for dinner because, you know, it, it was just, it could be overwhelming. But um, when someone would knock on the door with, like, a lasagna or just, just something so simple but was so special to us because it um, it made our day easier and a lot of times you're just on autopilot trying to get through the day and um, but that was really profound and the babysitting has been wonderful because it's um, as Julie had mentioned um, 
it's really hard on your biological children, too, because my girls are five, six, and eight, so they're very young still, and having to share mom and dad and not, you know, my lap's full the majority of the time. And so they've had to learn to, you know, take a seat on the side every now and then and um, to be able to have that time to invest in them and to love on them a little bit more because the babies, and we know the babies are being taken care of, and that's just been very, it's been a very huge blessing for us. And so uh, Julie and Mike Farley, daughter Grace, are our most recent uh, foster family taking children in. They've got um, a sibling set of boys. Uh, they've been really easy. And um, <laughs> so I invited her to come because they're probably, in the, like in, right now, kind of in this fresh state, the throes of, uh, of fostering, this mm-hmm. lear- massive learning curve, right, massive learning yes. curve. <laughs> on so many different levels. And uh, so I invite her to come because I want, just take some time, Julie, and share your perspective again as a, as a new foster family. And again, like what the community care looks like. And honestly, take some time to share like, like even the things that haven't happened, but you say, man, these types of things, I could see how impactful they would be having that community care come alongside of us specifically. Okay. Um, so we've had um, our two boys for almost four months. And um, I'm sorry. They're broken. Um, they're still really suffering from the fact that um, they've seen their mom one time since the end of January and dad three times. Um, and so they're hurting. Um, the older one, um, Thomas, is um, hurting the most. Um, he's four, and um, he is able to understand a little bit more than his brother's um, what has gone on, he's seen more. Um, so um, the most heartbreaking um, thing for me is when they go to a visit and no one from the family shows up. And they're there. They're riding there the entire way, excited that they get to see their mom and dad. And they get there and mom and dad aren't there. Um, one particular time, it was the week of Thomas's fourth birthday, and we were planning a birthday party for him and excited, and um, nobody, mom and dad didn't show up for his visit that week. And he came home very broken, said he didn't ever want to go back there again, um, and he didn't understand why his mom and dad weren't there. Um, so those are the those are the things that make it harder to be a foster parent than a regular parent. Um, so, but we've had people come alongside us from the church that have brought us um, clothes and food and toys and it's been fantastic. Um, but we've also had some unexpected things, unexpected blessings of um, people who, um, there's a couple who brings us pull-ups on a regular basis, which is a huge blessing. Um, and a family that blessed us with um, a gift to be able to bring the kids to go and do some fun things. Um, and then there was a young lady who came and picked up um, our daughter, Grace, to just spend some time with her. She's 12, and she's been um, the only one in the house for a really long time. And she's all of a sudden having to share her home and her, her parents. And um, so this young lady just came and poured a little bit of love into her. Um, foster 
Fostering is hard on parents, but it's also hard on our biological kids, too, because they give up a lot. Um, And they do it with willing hearts. They love these babies just as much as we do, but it's hard for them. Um, So, I don't know. (laughs) That's good. So, and talk about for you again, like in a sense of how you could see... um, you know, community of care really stepping in, and not yeah. just for you guys, but for everybody. Yeah. And things that you could see in that. Okay. Um, I think that um, the things that the community care can be is um, a support for us. I know that talking to other foster moms has been unbelievable, getting, you know, advice on dealing with defects and. Um, requests from them and everything um, just to be able to turn to another foster family and say well they're asking me to do this what do I do Um, has been unbelievable Um, but you know everyone here has an opportunity to get involved in the story um, in a foster family's life and regardless of whether you do something really small once in a while or something on a more regular basis it can be Um, huge for us, but huge for these boys, too. They've lost everything. And um, to have people around them smiling and giving them hugs and spending some time and aunts and uncles and grandma and grandpas that um, can just pour some love into them because they're hard to love sometimes, um, but they really deserve it. They deserve that love because God can do big, big things um, when we love people who are broken and hurting. Good, thank you. So this is Kelly, uh, Kelly and his wife, Misty. Uh, They aren't uh, fostering as in bringing children into their home long term, but they're doing respite uh, as well as being primary uh, components of community of care for several families. And so I've invited Kelly to come because he has a unique perspective. It's not like he's not up here saying, yeah, we've been fostering and this stuff. He's saying, yeah, we've been coming alongside of all these families. They brought children into their home and babysat several. They've done it for us. They've done it for us up here. Um, and, and it's a beautiful thing. And so I want you to hear from Kelly because, again, it's a unique perspective um, of what he and Misty are doing, uh, which is it's vital to the fostering community here at Vintage. I mean, they're not like second tier. I mean, they're like anybody who's doing anything is first tier. It's one tier, right? Um, and so just share, again, your perspective, your story, how that's impacting your family, what you guys are doing, the calling that got you there, and just whatever else that you think we need to know. Right. Um, so I remembered a story that I didn't share at the first service, and I, I said at the first service when I when I first heard about foster care, I just didn't feel one way or the other. I remember when I was 12 years old um, going over to a family in our neighborhood's house. Um, they had a foster kid, and they had a kid that was about the same age as me, and I remember we were all kind of playing in the den, and all of a sudden this kid um, pulled his pants down and started peeing on the couch. And I remember being like, this is not good. Like, number one, that shouldn't be happening. And number two, somebody's about to get in trouble. So I'm, I'm, I'm getting out. I gave, I gave my brother a little look like, hey, let's get out of here. And sure enough, we just we didn't wait for anybody. We didn't say goodbye. We just went out the door. And it's, it's a random memory. But uh, when I first heard foster care here at the church, it wasn't a pleasant. Like, I was like, ooh, that's, that's messy. You know, that's, that was kind of the thought I had. And the truth is, it is. I mean, it's hard. Um, and so Misty, you know, said they're doing a foster care deal, you know, where you can get trained to help out. And I was like, well, you know, 
there's nobody that's going to be against foster care. Like, if you're against foster care, that's that's pretty bad, you know. And so I wasn't against it, but I, you know, I just didn't think it was anything I really wanted to do um, just because I saw it as kind of messy. And so I remember going to this first thing, and uh, anybody that's gone through the training, there's a video. Um, and I remember, you know, I'm not going to waste the whole time, but it was a video that was kind of a typical, um, so it showed this little girl. And it showed... Uh, you know, their parents kind of getting into a fight. You didn't know exactly what was going on, but um, it, there was a scene where the girl, you know, it showed the, the people taking her from their from her house, and she's sitting, uh, she's getting dropped off at the curb, about to go into, uh, you know, kind of her new house. And I remember at that time, like, God just did something in my heart, and it was just like, um, I was just overwhelmed with emotion because I saw that girl. In that girl, I saw my oldest because she was, like, kind of the same age at the time. And I remember thinking, like, um, I don't know if guys will probably empathize with this. Like, when I was young, when I was, like, 17 or 18, I used to, like, I was just looking for a chance to fight somebody. You know what I mean? Like, if, if I could, like, tell my dad, like, this guy deserved it and, I, you know, I had to do it, like, you just are kind of full of, you know, you just, you know, you just kind of want to test your strength. And that never goes away. And so, like, every once in a while, like, when I had my, my daughter, I remember just, like, imagining situations where somebody would mess with my daughter. And I would, like, you know, stand up for her and, and be what any good dad would be. Um, and, and so that kind of came up in this video. I just remember thinking, like, if that was Hazel, like, I would do anything to protect this girl because this girl was scared. This girl was stepping into something. Um, where she was vulnerable, like if if the person in the house that she's about to walk into was not a good person, you know, like her safety was up to that person. And I remember God just like laying on my heart, like we have to have good homes for these girls, you know. And to me, it was girls because I have girls. And I think that was what it, it became personal to me because it was like my daughter, you know, like what if I wasn't there to protect her, and that's my daughter. Like I've got to have somebody that's going to fight for her. Um, and it became personal. Um, and this morning I kind of, <clears throat> God reminded me of, of you, you remember when Peter is on his boat and he's fishing, right? Um, and then Jesus comes and says, you know, drop, drop what you're doing and come follow me now. So the day before that, Peter fishing, there was nothing wrong with it, right? But if, if Peter had said to Jesus, nah, that, you know, I'm good, I'm not going to follow you, I'm going to continue to fish, what was the day before okay if the day after God kind of made that call, it's now disobedience, right? And so that's the way it was for me. I didn't know, I didn't know what I was supposed to do, but I knew like it was like a Peter moment for me. Like from that point on, like God had kind of put it on my heart, and and I had to do something. And so, um, and so that's what you know. That was about two and a half years ago. Um, and what I've been encouraged about is like we have not been called like and. I know you don't have to be called to foster, but I do feel like there's like a point where you kind of have a release from, you know, God where it's like, all right, this is something we're going to do. And we hadn't, we hadn't had that and we hadn't been pressured. You know what I mean? Like me and Misty are to the point where we could take a kid into our house and, and I haven't had anybody at this church say like you should, like that's, that's something between me and Misty and, and Jesus. And that's something that's, that's out there, but it's not for us right now. And so that's, that's one thing that I would encourage everybody. It's not, um, Steve has kind of said it like this is something that we feel like God has kind of placed on us as a, a, a corporately, right? And so, um, and so, but there's not pressure, and and it's something 
I feel like it's going to be something similar to, to what God did with me, where, like, all we're asking you guys to do is just to be in tune with God. We are putting it in front of you the same way that video put it in front of me. Um, and we just pray that you, you know, just are sensitive to the Spirit and basically obey in the way you hear God calling. And then the last thing I wanted to say, um, and Misty reminded me to say this. Uh, Good job, so, Misty. All right. Um, me and Misty both have been on, like, you know, mission trips with the church. Um, and you walk away from something like that. Like, I went to India, um, and, you know, Tammy Hutchins and her whole story, she's got how many kids is it, 30 or so? 40 something, yeah. Um, and it's just one of those things, like, she, like, took her life and what her life is. Like, everything she's invested in is, like, basically taking kids out of a dangerous place and putting them into a safe place. And I remember thinking, like, I just know that's not that's not going to be my life. Like, like, it, you know, it could be, but I don't think that's what God has for me. But there's a piece of that that God has for me, right? And so what's been really cool is, is, is we have just kind of, you know, obeyed God in these kind of small ways. Our kids have basically seen that, that me and Misty's life is not all about us and that their life isn't going to be all about them. And so it's, it's little small things, but, you know, just basically explaining to them, you know, like these kids don't have it as good as you do, and, and we're, you know, we're going to have them for three or four days, and we want you all to be extra sweet to them and make sure that you're, you know, being a good example because, you know, they, they just don't have – it's not as easy for them. And that's just been really neat, like just having those conversations with Hazel and Penny and just exposing them to, you know, that your life is not about your pursuit of happiness only. It's God's doing something in you to bless other people. So. Thanks, guys. So give them a round of applause as they head down. All right, so I know it's almost 1230, and so we're going to be done by yeah, five minutes to finish up, and so we're good. As primarily wanted you to hear these stories, right? Again, it's it's one of those things. This is really happening. These In their lives, it's really happening. And in those children's lives, it's really happening, right? It's a beautiful thing. And and I think I want, I want to say three things that we're asking of you, okay? So, like, so hear this, right? So give me, if you'll give me four and a half more, four more minutes, I will be done, okay? So number one, what we're asking. You say, all right, Steve, that's great, all this stuff. You've kind of got this excited. You've got this competitive part. Kelly wants to beat everybody up. It's like, it's great, right? Like, what's going on here? Here's what we're asking. It's real simple. Number one, I want you to celebrate that God has called in grace, grace ministry pretty soon, to be the leader of foster care in the faith community of Paulding County, right? Like, I want you to celebrate that. We're not better than any church. That's really important. Like, we're not better than, don't go to your, like, neighbor. Yeah, our church is so much better than yours. That's what our pastor said, right? No, I didn't say that. I said, we, God just happened to empower us to be the leader of foster care in Paulding County. And that's awesome. Doesn't make us awesome. It makes, I mean, the phrase, I'm awesome because he's awesome, right? Like, no, seriously, like, we're awesome in what we're doing because God is gifted. It's all about Jesus. And so, Celebrate that. Like, talk about it and celebrate foster care. Like, go through something. Oh my gosh, we're so excited at Vintage. God's just doing this work in foster care. Oh my gosh, this is so exciting. I didn't know it was going to happen, but man, this. Like, just celebrate it wherever you go and talk about it and talk about the need. It's like, just be an advocate for what's going on. Second thing, just every one of us consider being part of an ongoing community of care. Like, I'm not telling you have to, right? I'm not guilting. Like, 
being a vintage, you know, I'm not much of a guilter. It's like I don't think that really produces much, and definitely it definitely hinders relationship. So I'm not going to guilt you into this. I am going to say just consider it. Like go before. Like, this is what I recognize about people. They're really good about going to Jesus and giving him real clear parameters on what he can talk about and what he can't talk about. And I'm just asking you to clear your parameters. Say, Jesus, I'm willing to hear whatever you want to say. I am a living sacrifice. And I want to be pleased, holy and pleasing in your sight and what I do. So just go and consider, right? We have in the foyer, there's a group of eight families on there that you can come alongside and be part of their community of care, right? To be extended family. What does that look like? You know what aunts and uncles, like the good ones that are really close and grandparents look like, right? They come in, they get to like give the kids sugar and play with them all day long and then pass them back to their parents, their parents, right? That's all you have to do. Just go be aunts and uncles and like and grandparents and just like do all the fun stuff and then leave. Seriously, just go in love. Take them on. Take them out to get ice cream. Take them. I don't care what you do. It's like take them out. Enjoy them. Be a part of their life. Love on them. Just tell them how awesome that they are. Tell them how cute they are. Tell them how good they are. Just go and tell them how awesome that they are. And what we're looking for is like this is this is a little bit more of a higher commitment because we're saying to you, one, do it for the entire placement. Placements last between six months and two years. So we're saying on a weekly basis or every couple of weeks, you're going to come and I don't care if you're going to come wash clothes, you're going to take the kids out, you're going to bring a meal, or you're just going to come and, and hang out. Just come and hang out. Let the mom take an hour-long nap or the dad take an hour-long nap, whatever it may be, right? It's like, I mean, literally, Chancey hasn't slept in like four months. I mean, literally, so poor thing. So, so come and give her, just give them space to take a nap. Like, just, and you're going to commit to be part of their extended family. So you're going to come and do that. Be part of their community of care. You can go up and sign up for that. And what's going to happen is someone from the foster care team here is going to call you and say, hey, we want to make sure you know what you're getting yourself into. I mean, literally. There's nothing worse than like the bait and switch. This is so great. And you get into this is awful. No, we're going to be shoot really straight with you and talk about your commitment, what it's going to mean and what's going to mean for you and your time. And your commitment. You may kind of say, ah, oh, I shouldn't have signed up, whatever it may be. Right. But but just consider it with no parameters. Talk to your spouse. Talk to your kids about it. Slap on the clipboard today. It'd be great. Number three, everyone commit to at least do something. All right. So some of you said, hey, I spent an hour last year. Caring for the foster kids. That's fantastic. Just do it this year too. All right? I just said, if you did an hour last year, then do an hour this year. I don't really care how much you do. Just do something. Come alongside and, and invest and do something with the foster families. You may say, I can't foster right now. Get it. That's fine, right? I can't really do the respite or the, I can't do the, um, um, like the community of care. I get it. Not everyone can do that, but you can do something. And so on, on the list of things you have, you have Freezer meals. That's on the list outside and put it right here. There's freezer meals. That means when you're making a meal, there'll be a freezer up here. There's, listen, when I, when we go to court and we're like getting lamb blasted by defects and we're not doing, or they're like mad at us because we're actually caring for the kids, whatever, right? Or the judge is not being nice to us and saying all this kind of stuff. And you get to, the, and you've got your other kids over here doing stuff and you're like, oh, I can't barely breathe to know you can just stop by the church on the way and pick up a meal to cook that night. It is a lifesaver, right? Deliver a fresh meal. It's even more fun. Come over, see the kids, hang out, deliver a fresh meal. Restaurant card. So we can actually go out and do stuff. Movie tickets. Offer to babysit. Here's the thing about babysitting. I haven't forgotten really. Don't worry. With babysitting, you don't have to get approved. The county, you see the state literally like a year ago said, 
It's some sort of law, but basically it says anyone can babysit for up to like three days or something like that. You can babysit for three days without having to actually go through and sign up and do anything. You can just do your life and invite them over to your house and have them stay for three days, right? It's really, really simple to babysit. Number six, volunteer for Parents Night Out. We just did Parents Night Out. Our arts team, arts group came over here and did some stuff with the kids. We do it every month. Here's the fun thing. Do you know that we're partnered with Vertical Life and Cedar Crest Church? Like... Doing this together, one body, we're not competitive with foster care. We realize we're just one team as the church together doing this. And so we share a parents' night out, and they get people to do theirs, and, and, and we get people to do ours. We're saying, will you do ours? Take your small group, take your family, and come and do a parents' night out. It's pretty awesome, right? And number seven, just uniquely, per, like personally invest in a unique way. What do, you, like, what do you think that you're awesome at? Like Jay Goodman. Like, I'm not, so this is the deal. Like, he could, he's a physics teacher at North Paulding. He's really, really smart, right? And, and you should go be his Instagram page. It's really funny. He does, like, pull-ups at school. It's really hilarious, right? It's amazing. And so, but anyway, like, he literally, he could, like, take kids and, like, do physics experiments with them. Like, how cool would that be? It's like a, like, he gets to do what he's passionate about. Like, for me, I love fishing. I, so, like, Kyla's one of ours. She had the life jacket on doing this. We went fishing. It was me and Anna Catherine and Sarah and Kyla. We go out there. Anna Catherine doesn't catch anything. Sarah doesn't catch anything. Kyla, by far, is the worst fisherman on the boat. She's literally turning backwards and taking the handle off the reel. It's so bad, right? Like, she casts and it's going up in trees. We're like, oh, my gosh, Jesus. She casts out one time. She turns around and some, and God took, literally, God took a fish the, the lure wasn't even moving. It was sitting on top of the surface even, right? Not even doing anything. And a fish comes up and grabs it and starts peeling her line off. And we're watching something else over here. All of a sudden she says, right? And we're like, oh my gosh. She's like, what do I do? What do I do? Like real, real. Like we're all streaming here. And it kind of is like real, right? And it's like we're all like real. Like what does that even mean, right? And so I'm like, like getting over there. Let's show her how to do it. She reels this fish in. You would have, like, she goes, oh, I caught the only fish today, right? I mean, it was amazing. I'm an incredible teacher. So it was amazing for us, right? <laughs> Uniquely, whatever you love, you're passionate about, just do with them. It's real simple. It's not hard. If you'd like, listen, if you, if, like, <laughs> oh, man, teach me how to play softball, baseball. I'm about to go somewhere with that. But anyway. So, that's what I want you to do. Leslie Howell, she's not here at the service. She took our kids and she taught them how to swim. Like, how cool? Because she loves, she's a lifeguard and she loves swimming. So, do that kind of stuff. So, we're done. Let's pray. Father, I love you. Thank you for today. I thank you for the call that you've given Vintage. I thank you. You've written us into your story of foster care in our community, and we are humbled by it. God, thank you that, we're, that because of you, we're doing a good job in this. Thank you, God, that we've submitted ourselves to you. We see the conviction. And we're doing it. God, I thank you that you've given us families. Jesus, who can come alongside and, and do this. I thank you that you've given us families to community of care. And I thank you, God, that you've had other family members who were here doing their thing. And God, they were coming alongside and loving and praying and encouraging in seasons. And Lord, I pray, would you just take us to the next level, Jesus? Would we be a great model for the three counties of how the church can impact the state in a positive way to care for at-risk children? Because God... There's no separation in church and state for you. It's pretty clear. You're Lord over all of it. And we love it. And so, Jesus, would you have your way? So pray this in I do want to say this, and I'm just, I said this in the first service, and I, I, I want to say it. 
worry about, about foster care. And if you just don't care about foster care, you don't want to be, have any part to do with it, then I want to be just really honest and say vintage probably isn't your home. I'm not trying to get rid of you. But I just want to be really honest. It's the call of God. It's the story he's writing. And we are expecting and believing that all of you are called to have your name written into that story. And if you're like, just anti that, then vintage isn't probably your home. There's other churches you can go to that have other passions and things, right? But that's who we're called to be. So don't say that with guilt or with any condemnation. It's just to meet, be completely honest. That's who we're going to be forever. And if you're married to us, then you've married our foster care piece. You know how it is when you get married, right? You get married and your spouse's shortcomings and strength and their family all become your own. And foster care is part of who we are. And so if you're coming, then you're part of foster care in some form or fashion. And literally, in God's eyes, if if you can't foster and you can't do community care and you can literally give one hour a year, then in the eyes of God, you're equal with the person who's fostering. It's just how the community of God, it's how the kingdom of God works. You're equal. There's no super holier than thou in this. It's just those who have a calling, God initiating and doing stuff in our hearts. Does that make sense? Is that cool with you guys? You okay with that? All right. So here's how we're going to respond. If you're new at Vintage, you're officially done. I know it's late, um, but we're going to we're going to have time of ministry. And so ministry teams, you can come forward. We're going to pray for people. If you have any need today, healing, restoration, breakthrough, anything you're asking God for do, to do, you can come up here and they would love to pray for you. Communion's available. Harvest will lead us until we're done. You're officially released. Please make time today to stop by the board and look at it. And now I'm officially done. Have a great week.